0: Hey, this is Chip with The Real Dirt Podcast. You have reached yet another episode of The Real Dirt. Wow, you know, things have been a little erratic since uh, we're in an international pandemic. And whether you think it's a pandemic or a pandemic or the plague, uh, it's definitely reality for people throughout the globe. And I just want to, uh, man, give a... Uh, A heartfelt shout-out to all of those who are having problems these days due to our international pandemic. Um, The COVID has definitely, uh, man, it's changed the world. It's changed us. It's changed how we do business. And, you know, it's kind of changed how I've done podcasts. Uh, we, We don't have podcasts in person anymore. It's been actually kind of hard to get people to do podcasts. I've got a uh internet connection that's a little slow so we've been changing tra- changing our technology constantly trying to get a uh, really good good information with you guys. But uh today I've got man Brandon Delaney. Uh Brandon, he's the cultivation director for Solar Therapeutics in Somerset, Massachusetts. And they're one of the only countries using so I mean only companies using solar power. To uh, g- grow their cannabis uh, now many people like myself do have supplemental solar power. you know at our operation in uh, California we have 60,000 watts of solar I believe and it it supplements it ties back into the grid they call it. So uh, we've got a bunch of panels that's sitting on the roof of a barn and it's generating power every single day and instead of us actually using that power, we're generating it back into the grid. So uh we're responsible for uh you know helping helping people uh, uh um, you know obtain their energy needs through our solar connection and as soon as we get our license there in Trinidad, California, we'll be growing uh cannabis by the sun um uh, ironically, they're in greenhouses, light depth greenhouses, but we're gonna be powering them. Uh, partially through solar power we've got 180,000 watts over there and 60,000 watts of solar wow it really does feel good to be sustainable and and i really look forward to speaking to brandon here in a moment you know it's it's all the little things that you get to do in your grow that you know makes yourself an efficient grower as well as uh you know environmentally conscious and there's many, many, many things that you can do to help yourself uh, reduce your cost, as well as being a great steward of the steward of land. Um, several years ago, at one of my manufacturing plants, I decided to take it on myself to reduce my waste significantly. So I called up all of my manufacturers, all of my shippers, and I asked them all if there was any way that we could reduce. Uh, our shipping and packaging and 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 not surprisingly several of them said yeah that's great you know the packaging costs so much how can i reduce the packaging and they reduced their packaging cost i kept paying the same price to those guys i didn't ask them for a discount but i tell you where i made my money was on disposable of all that plastic and all that cardboard and all those materials that were coming in we were you know going we were dumping significantly less into the landfills. And uh, over time, that that really has paid off, and it's made us feel good. You know, you can do all kinds of things uh, to help any cannabis operation, you know, be sustainable. Uh, but look at your waste stream. Look and see everything that you're throwing away in the trash. Look at all your recyclables. Uh, look at your water. And just try to clean all those up just one little piece at a time. Um, you know, we're, we we need to be the most responsible um, uh, uh, business owners in any industry because we are so heavily looked at. And I encourage each and every one of you to do just that. Uh, decide how you can make an impact in the change. And uh, really strive to do it as a company. And and you'll see an economic advantage on that. So, without me babbling on, here we're going to get right into it. The next episode of The Real Dirt. If you like this episode and others, man, you can download them on iTunes, subscribe, go to Spotify. We've even got a YouTube channel now. So, uh, love you guys and sit back, roll up a fat one, and here's The Real Dirt. All right, here we are with the real dirt on today's dirt. I have Brendan Delaney of uh, Solar Therapeutics in Somerset, Massachusetts. Say hey, Brendan.
1: Hey guys, how we doing?
0: Oh, man. Thank, thanks for joining me today. You know, you, got, you guys reached out to us on our channel and, and uh, expressed interest in talking to us. I'm so glad you did. You know, we get many, many responses from people over the channel, and I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to talk to fellow growers. Thank, thanks for calling us, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, so, man, we're, we're kind of actually from the same hood. Huh, Brendan? You're in Massachusetts now. I'm in Oklahoma now, but uh, you kind of cut your teeth in California.
1: Uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, started uh, cultivating commercially, um, actually up in Shasta County in uh, 2010. Um, ended up making my way over to Trinity County, um, and doing doing some larger larger scale permitted farms over there um, before I took the job here uh, about a year and a half ago.
0: All right, did you move over to Trinity Pines? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I've definitely been definitely been through the pines, but now oh. we're, uh, we're out in uh, Douglas City, uh, and I had a spot in Junction City as well.
0: Sure, yeah, the great great little inside joke for us, huh?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing like the pints, baby.
0: Oh, my God. What a crazy place. Uh, uh, listeners, you can look that all up for yourself. So, check it out uh, on Google Earth. Yeah, check it out on Google Earth. Yeah, if you think you got to grow, yeah. Check it. Look at that. <laughs> look at that. Right. It's amazing. Uh, so so you, you started in 2010, right? Right when it was uh, still on the... Uh, the cusp of uh of of 2.0 legal cannabis in California. You you were you started operating under the old medical cannabis rules, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we were we were operating under uh Prop 215 for uh, a couple years out there and uh finally made the switch to to getting uh actual permits, but you know, a little dicey there for a little while. Um mm-hmm. but as long as you're smaller than your neighbor, you're good, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, well, You know, I tell you, there was a beauty of the um, 215 laws. Now, many people for 20 years said, oh, it's vague. It's an awful law. But, man, because it was vague, it really allowed the, the medical cannabis market to really, really grow throughout California uh, it for allowed sure. so many, like, cities and states and municipalities uh, to copy the law. And it also, like, you know, people trying to sue over the law realize, wow, it, it's so vague. It's really well written for, for medical cannabis users.
1: A lot of gray area, to say the least. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, it, uh, in California – 1997, medical marijuana was passed with this bill called 215, and that's what me and Brendan are referring to is the 215 rules. And back then, all you kind of had to do was have like a a book of patients, and you'd have like a handful of different uh, uh, recommendations and some letters that said that you were growing on behalf of them. And then there were some great counties where all you do have, you just had to have your own prescription, your own recommendation, and and you could have unlimited kind of growth checks and balances.
1: Yeah, and then you just spray paint a green cross on some plywood for the helicopters. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly and, and and hope for the best. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely free for all. Uh, it, it definitely, uh, um man it kind of tainted a little bit what was to come with legal cannabis and regulated cannabis uh man what what was it what was the major difference you saw from going from that 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 environment of 215 to a a, a regulated environment like uh i mean you you had a little baby set. first you went to trinity county and then right. you went over to massachusetts which is more
1: heavily regulated yeah i mean uh Massachusetts is definitely the most heavily regulated um state in the country in terms of uh cultivating cannabis um which is which I I think is a good thing. Um it holds you accountable for um you know, how to yeah. do things the right way.
0: Absolutely, man. There needs to be there needs to be some rules.
1: And it it kind, it kind of keeps the uh the uh BS artists out of it. <laughs> that that is true but
0: i mean just the pesticide usage alone has really has really leveled the playing field and you know it used to be you could just spray and pray with whatever you wanted and and it make like the worst grower be successful
1: for sure yeah they uh the 25b regulations are, are are pretty intense um and it really anything uh Anything other than like citric acid is uh, for pests is is not really allowed here, um, and they test the rig- the testing process is extremely rigorous here. Um, wow! So we're, we're on go for sure here. Wow, that makes it really complicated.
0: Oh yeah, it does. Right, so you you can't you can't use any pesticides. Just, uh, just nope. you can change the pH of the surface of the leaf, basically. <laughs> uh, pretty much, yeah. Yep. You can um, wash the plant off, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> You're shaking your head. It's like, I don't, wait a second, I don't know if water's legal or not.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it depends on what's in the water. So yeah. no soap.
1: <laughs> yeah, no soap. No soap. Wow. Yeah. And they're, they're constantly changing the the regulations. Um, but you know, I guess that, that is a, um, a good thing when, you know, some of the stuff that is used is pretty nasty. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And it makes you like, you know, have to be really at the top of your game. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed. I mean, here in, here in Oklahoma, they've actually, the way the law is written is nothing is legal. There's no pesticides can be used. Um, but they have a really low tolerance of of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of pesticide levels here. So the reality is you can use anything as long as, you know, no one catches you using it on the spot, and then it doesn't test below these really minimum, you know, regulations. Where, like in Colorado, they give you a list. They're always updating your list. Yeah, they're, that, they're actually uh,
1: they're introducing... Fifth, I I believe in the next three months they're actually adding fifteen pesticides or fifteen substances to the banned list here in Mass. And uh, from what I I understand is other states are going to start to accept the levels that Massachusetts is using, which is, I mean, for heavy metals we're looking at uh, two hundred parts per billion. Is yeah, right. Which is you know there's there's heavy metals in pretty much everything. So everything. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Wow. So, do you think they're they're being over-restrictive on some of that?
1: Um, yes and no. So, the, the pesticide stuff, I mean, there are uh, there are some things that uh, I feel that uh, you know, benefit the benefit the farmer and uh, should be allowed, and then there's some that definitely shouldn't be allowed. Um, yeah, right. You no, know, the, right. like there's some stuff that's so widely used right. Um, and they don't even, you don't even really know what it's doing to you or what it could do to you.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And then, you know, uh, it, it gets in the, gets in the groundwater and gets, uh, you're not just affecting your customers and you're affecting your neighbors and, um, sure. and all that sure. type of stuff. Sure. Yeah. We, we use, uh,
0: you know, kind of some strict protocols sure. and, uh, we've been, we, we, we don't have to spray pesticides. Uh, we we are fortunate enough that we can, and uh, we use stuff uh, biological controls, uh, Bt yes, and, and 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 you know some, some other stuff. Uh, but uh, we you know with the right application rate, knowing how to apply it at the right time, like really being able to grow your cultures of the beneficial biology. Uh, man, that's how, how we have dealt with it. But man, I'll tell you, some people. You know, they have problems with that, with fungus and and mold residue.
1: Sure. sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it really makes you step up your, uh, your PPE game and and really have your, your, your standard operating procedures to where you're, you're running a really clean facility. Um, you know, you have to hold your employees, hold your employees to those standards so you're not, uh, ending up pests or, you know, a lot of people, uh, have their own home grows and may have mold or may have mites and that stuff transfers it very easily. So right
0: um what it what's the uh is there a common pest for Massachusetts? Is there something that's that's uh difficult for people to control?
1: Fungus gnats pop up here um pretty regularly. Um been the I've heard of uh, broad mites, but I mean the main thing is, is uh is is PM here. Um Main thing's PM everywhere almost. Right. Yeah, for it's yeah. It's
0: not it's not as rampant in Colorado, but uh you know, uh, drier environment. They're they were really, really for forethought in a lot of sealed rooms and Right. Um you know, there's also a wide list of uh, fungicides that can legally be used there.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we just use, uh, prositic prositic too, cons- mm-hmm. citric acid. Um, right. And right. We're on right. a pretty, uh, pretty strict regimen on that up until, uh, like week two of flower. And, and then we release biologicals for the, the end of the plant's life. Um, oh, release biologicals.
0: So, so beneficial pests.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously oh. not for mold, but, um, uh for anything for else that else. would pop up for mites or, or anything like right. that. Um right. Wow you you guys have a
0: thousand lights. I mean that's roughly twenty five thousand square feet of canopy, huh? Uh
1: yeah. So we're this is phase one. Um we have three grow rooms right now and a mom room. Um we have two more grow rooms, about about and. Forty-five lights in each room, but by the end of uh, end of the build out, we'll be about fifty-five hundred grow lights here, hundred and fifty in our mom room. Um, oh wow, that's that is
0: massive. So, uh, you uh, you guys you guys use solar supplementation for all of this? Uh,
1: we do. We do. Um, we have a microgrid here, um, so uh, part of our our uh, our microgrid is a large solar field right so you're are you
0: you're feeding back into the grid it's an intertie system oh it is yeah yeah that's exactly what we have in california too uh you know the uh the batteries are cool and great and all and off grid they're awesome but the batteries in themselves are really toxic too and um you know you really got to spend a hefty amount of money on to be able to be completely solar efficient and just to be able to intertie back into the into the grid really makes it applicable for everybody. Everybody should be doing this.
1: Yeah, we have full solar on our roof here. The, we have it's a seventy thousand square foot building, and then a a, a few acres out back, um, solar field. But uh, the rest of our microgrid is made up with natural gas generators. Um, oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, on 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 the site. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we create uh, and, all our own power here. Ed can speak to that a little bit more than me. Um, he's a little oh, bit more well versed in that stuff. But sure,
0: yeah, we've we've worked with uh, several self uh, sustainable people with wind wind generations with solar uh, in Colorado and in Oklahoma uh natural gas is you know it, it it's huge in both of those states and and so many people have unlimited natural gas usages we've put in really huge 100,000 watt generators um you know and and uh you know it's it's amazing when you get the power for free the fuel for free what you can really do with everything else
1: yeah we're we're um our our units are pumping out uh a few megawatts here um, oh wow man that that's great so was
0: was this do you know if the solar aspect was was used in order to get your license was that something you guys like really push for at the very beginning
1: um it, it's something uh that we're proud of for sure um <laughs> yeah i'd be proud of it too man make it's definitely uh something that's sets us aside from the other facilities in the area for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So we were, we were just in Massachusetts. Oh man, it wasn't 19. It was like the very end of 18, uh, December 18, uh, drove around, checked it out. It was just starting to come online back then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh t- t- tell, tell, me, tell me what the laws are like and what's going on in Massachusetts.
1: Um, well, let's see. Uh, so we we uh, we we started off actually as a recreational facility. We just got our medical license uh, last week. Um,
0: oh, awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. We're all medical, even in California, where there's rec. We've got medical license there and we've got medical here in Oklahoma. We just decided to stay on that side for now.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, the the rec market here in Mass is pretty pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Um, uh, oh yeah, I've seen some lines. There's there's definitely days where we got lines um, for sure. <laughs> uh, um, but as far as the laws go, um, for rec, it's you know uh, I would say it's like similar to a liquor store. Um, you show your ID, you got to be 21, and there's a, a certain amount of product. Uh, that each person can buy um, and that's that's pretty much it there's a there's the permitting process here in mass is is lengthy to say the least um, a lot of it's limited licenses there are um, we're not Massachusetts isn't hasn't reached capacity capacity yet okay uh, right it's it's a few year process to get get your license uh, and your your site and your facility permitted and, and for the license to actually go through. Mm-hmm. right the, uh, uh, I mean
0: that's that's kind of how it is in mo- most of the states other than you know the good ones
1: <laughs> the, I mean the, the price <laughs> per pound here in Massachusetts is, is uh, by far the highest country um, wholesale. Oh yeah, and uh, so it's they—they they don't make it. Are your wholesale prices, are
0: other state average wholesale prices published? Can you say it?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah
0: for sure, for sure. Um, wholesale price. How much is a pound of wholesale weed? Forty-five hundred bucks. Yeah, that's pretty high. I was gonna say fifty five hundred bucks. I mean, some of it gets up there.
1: Some of it does get up there. Um, There's not there's not very many people cultivating uh, licensed large scale facilities in the state. Um, Right. More are coming online. You know, not not every every day, but you know, every month there's there's a new one, and there's definitely Mm. some bigger ones being built out. Um, But we're we're setting ourselves up to be definitely one of the largest.
0: Well, man, with with going into fifty five hundred lights, you're definitely going to be one of the largest, one of the largest in the country, even. So, with uh, man, with growing that much weed, how many how many different strains you guys got? How do how do you how do you manage all those different strains?
1: Um, so that's uh, I, I ended up bringing bringing some pretty unique genetics uh from the west coast out here, um, just some stuff that I had been working on in the years past. Um, I also work with, uh, a few different genetics companies, um, Humboldt Seeds. Um, I work with symbiotic genetics and, uh, compound genetics. Um, have some good, good ties there. So anytime there's some, some new, uh, some new hot stuff coming out, I get, usually get a pretty good plug from those guys. And, uh, we're working on right now, we've got about 26 strains here, um, not all of them are on the shelves. We haven't even flowered all of them out yet, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, this this last harvest, uh, which we finished about a week ago, uh, was 12 strains, um, all from the West Coast.
0: Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got some of the uh, Humboldt seed um, genetics there. Uh, uh, auto OG. Sure. We got a, a, a bunch of that going in next next uh, next month, I guess.
1: Yeah, they, they got some they got some good stuff for sure. We just harvested uh we did a, a bunch of their asphalt plant, which is uh, I guess they renamed it as all gas OG, um, and then also their truffle tree, which uh, both came mm. out really good. Mm. Um, super gassy, pretty high on the THC, but uh. Some some legit stuff. So so you guys are still looking for stuff. You still
0: plant seeds. We do. Yeah.
1: Um, mm-hmm. our um our clone room is we're we just uh our clone room's constantly we're constantly germinating. Um you know, looking for different phenos and just to keep our menu fresh, um having having a wide variety is something that really drives sales here. Um and I think having unique strains uh um, really is really appealing to to some people um where uh legal weed is is a pretty new thing
0: so how how do you bring those new strains in on a facility like yours how do how do you how do you r and them to decide that you want you've selected this pheno
1: and you want to bring it in how does it start how does it end um so so you know we germinate seeds we uh we sex them. We, don't, we try not to stress them out too much. Um, once they're sexed, they get tagged and numbered, um, and then we'll flower out. Um, you know, We'll do maybe, maybe two lights. So two four-by-four two four lights is one tray, mm-hmm. so we'll do one tray for each pheno, and um, we'll, we'll take it to flower and, and see where it ends up. Um, and if it's something that we like, we keep it and keep them on, um, and then keep those genetics fresh.
0: Do, do you guys have a separate R and D room or is it just go into your
1: main room? So we have uh well right now it's just going into main rooms. Um like this I typically I wouldn't do twelve strains in a room. Um but we, we're really trying to mm-hmm. find our find our uh, our staple genetics here. We've only this has only been our second harvest. So uh we're still kinda pheno hunting um to find uh find those gems you know
0: yeah absolutely well that's it's so funny you you say you wouldn't put more than 12 strains in the room very it's very west coast to only have a handful of strains right and then in colorado it's everybody's got 77 80 strains right you know it's just so many man it's just hard it's just hard yeah Uh, and as a as a grower I, i just would rather have a few
1: yeah i uh, I actually have some seeds going right now. Um, they're starting to show their sex uh, from compound uh, compound genetics. what they're sending out what they're sending out looks pretty amazing. Um, and they're working with so, some of the larger breeders out there now. They also own Node labs which uh, does tissue culture cloning um, so they can... node yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I know those
0: guys. Um. Yeah, I've been trying to get them on the podcast for a minute. Uh, Dan.
1: Yeah, Daniel, yeah, my buddy Mateus uh, has been working there for a little while longer, and um, tissue culture cloning is uh, is is something that's pretty new to Mass. Um, we w- we would be one of the first that are doing it on a large scale. You can't can't even get some of that stuff. Yeah, there's some some products yeah. that are used that um, aren't aren't allowed in Massachusetts yet. So right.
0: So that'd be IBA
1: IAA. Sure. Right. Yeah, so I mean hopefully uh if we start working with node labs full time um we'll be maybe we'll be able to educate um the state and and be first doing it yeah. out here. Well, you know my
0: micropropagation has so the the so many you know possibilities. You can just do so much with it. Uh the you know one of the problems that you always have bringing plants into a new environment is how to make it into scale. And how, how to bring it to scale how to like say okay i planted out a tray you you, you know uh, which could be 10 or 20 seeds and you chose one and like how do you bring that one great genetic to scale uh yeah i mean I,
1: I, we have a, our, a a very large mom room here um our mom room is uh three tiers uh, about 150 lights um, the footprint footprint of the room is three thousand square feet. So when we go up three, we're looking at uh, close to nine thousand square foot of canopy for the mom room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have multiple moms. Um, yeah, you know, instead of having a few of each strain, we have thirty. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we do so, the same way. hundred moms. Yeah, not and, one. Not, <laughs> exactly. Um, we're always filtering them out every every three months. Mm-hmm. To really keep them fresh, um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, we our propagation team is is pretty uh, pretty badass. Um, we did we did three thousand cuts in a day, um, which are rooting right now. Um, and that will fill up our fourth room. So,
0: and you, you guys use arrow arrow rooters or cubes or or what do you root in?
1: Uh, we're using we're using cubes right now. Oh, sweet, um, which uh, Rockwool or Oasis or Rockwool? Yeah, yeah, Rockwool, the two inch, two inch cubes with domes.
0: <laughs> best thing to do, man, is the best hands down product on the market two inch wool cubes, right? Uh, yeah, know, easy peasy. It is it, it, for commercial operations, for large scale operations, it, it's just really hard
1: <laughs> to beat how easy and inexpensive it is. Yeah, sure yeah like the the two inch cubes i like a little better they get like the roots get a little bigger a little fatter than usual.
0: yeah when we moved here to oklahoma we set up a clone nursery and this was just last year 16 months ago or something and you know people weren't used to buying clones they were used to buying plants in four inch pots so it took us, right. like, about six or eight months to, like, convince people, like, no, you need two-inch. Well, I don't want two-inch. I want four-inch. No, nah, you don't want four-inch because here's 50 plants. Wait, where's the pot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I even did that to people. I was like, oh, well, here, look. I'm going to give you these two inches for cheaper, and I'm going to give you the pots. And I'm going to give you the dirt. You go home and do it. All right. But, you know, they just move so much better. In uh, two inches than four inches, you can put fifty uh, c- cubes in a box, and you know you only get eighteen four inch pots in a box and right. you know they last longer, you can automate the watering you know you're just you know there's just so many great
1: things about two inch rock wool and clones that's for sure for sure um, you know then eventually, if we are doing tissue culture it'll be uh, just to keep our mom Fresh. Mm-hmm. So, with
0: a thousand lights, uh, how do you how do you guys trim? How do you trim all that weed?
1: So, right now we're uh, we're using Green Bros. I oh, am yeah. um, great. Yeah, we uh, we got a crew that right now they're they're destemming, um, and then they're just running uh, running everything through the Green Bros. And uh, the smaller stuff goes. Um, our lab's not set up completely yet, but the small, the littles will go right to the lab to make hash
0: and, mm-hmm. uh,
1: and then into rosin. But, um, yeah, the Green the green Bros Model M is is pretty badass, super gentle, um, and uh, user-friendly. Yeah, as simple as can be.
0: Take it apart, put it back together, like, you know, there's hardly easy any... To e- easy to clean. Easy to clean, like... I mean, you know, if you if you if you lose something on it, you can easily replace it. And uh, man, like those guys just really have built a great, great, great product. And products they've got some great products out there.
1: Yeah, their their de stemmer is
0: pretty badass too. Um, oh right, I haven't seen I haven't seen that in action. I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in action.
1: Yeah, yeah, it works great. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you can you can throw a live material through there to make fresh frozen or. Um, you know you can buck your dry buds off and throw them right in the, the model m um it's a pretty streamlined easy process um and that that model m does about 14 pounds an hour once they're bucked oh wow that's great that that's one person really and then the, the trim that comes out the other side the trim in keith is like ready for pre-rolls <laughs> oh yeah but it's uh pretty much ready for the pre roll machine so you guys are are drying and processing
0: all types of ways you you do you you dry it you trim it green you 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 fresh frozen it you 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 kind of have to do it all in a, a uh, operation the scale of yours
1: yeah we we do fresh frozen uh we will be doing fresh frozen for uh for the littles uh we don't trim anything green here um i i like the the dry trim method a little bit more i, I think the it really sure. keeps the terpene profile. Um, keeps a good oh, yeah. nose. It's way better um, to dry weed with leaves on it. Hell yeah, mm-hmm. I feel you on that. Right, but you know at that scale, it's tough when you're drying a few thousand pounds every two weeks. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just a it's a twenty four seven gig, and you know you don't obviously don't want to speed the process up too much because then you lose your quality and. Uh, <laughs> You know, there's people that are drying their product in a day yeah, with heat and, heat and dehumidifiers and all that stuff. But you are you really lose... Uh, so much, man. You just kill it. You lose so much. Yeah, exactly. You just kill it. You know, you end up with a bag full of hay.
0: Yeah, well, usually it's me saying that. So, Brendan, I'm glad you're saying it today, too, because uh, if you're just rushing to market to sell weed quick to make cash, that's fine but don't claim you got the best weed, right?
1: <laughs> Hell no. No, it's not all about that THC number either. You know, we need the whole entourage effect it, there. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It is.
0: So in, in Massachusetts, you have to listen to terpene, list the terpenes as well as THC on the label.
1: Uh, no, we don't, but, uh, solar therapeutics will be, mm-hmm. um, we're doing full boards on all of our, um, all of our flower. Um, and we'll definitely be including a full terpene profile. Um, but I think it's a little bit about educating the customers here um, about terpenes. Um, the Massachusetts market right now is literally the the product, the flower that has the highest THC number is the flower that sells. It yeah. doesn't even matter it's kind what of, it looks like, <clears throat> what it smells like.
0: It's how it is in Colorado, too. O- Oklahoma it's not so much like that yet. It hasn't really hit. Like, people do sell weed you know, on the wholesale level as like, Oh, it's 27%. Oh, it's 32% or whatever. But uh, the, the customer isn't really buying it that way. It's still so new and it's not really enforced so much about the THC percentages. So, you know,
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in Massachusetts, as the market matures a little bit um, like things like terpene profile and bag appeal and, 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 flower having a legit nose is going to is going to going to become yeah. something that more people look for.
0: Well, we definitely need more education on all that. And you know, that's one of the reasons that California and the West Coast have such great weed is because there's so many discriminating customers that call bullshit on poor weed and that, oh, that yeah. know what it looks like you know, but most yes, but places. All right. Get,
1: if yeah. Don't smell right.
0: Then get rid of then it. Get out. It's like, if it's not the best up there, then it's really hard to sell it. And, and you're the rest of the country is not quite like that. You can still sell almost everything you
1: produce. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think that'll change. Um, yeah. You know, with, with a little bit more education, but also like, uh, you know, new strains, like large variety. Um, mm-hmm. Once people start to see some of those really, those really exotic strains or gassy strains then um that's what they like yeah so so it do
0: you guys is it all wholesale do you have a dispensary
1: um we do we have a dispensary on site here mm-hmm. um we actually have another one uh that will be opening next few months um the whole covid pandemic then kind of put a halt on yeah, the stuff out here but uh, everywhere everywhere. I couldn't Yeah, but we have a, a I
0: couldn't find 4 inch bolts for a month. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. I had a project oh, yeah. I needed like 400 4 bolts and I couldn't find them
1: for a month. Yeah, I moved my cot into my office and I just posted up here for a few months, but um <laughs> Yeah, we have a, our second location um uh, is in in the process of uh we're in the permitting process and hopefully be open uh Within the next few months. Hmm. Um. So.
0: So here, here, here's something I've been interested in. Is uh, you guys, you guys are wholesale. You guys got a really big grow. You wholesale it and you retail it. What yeah. are the different types of preferred weed? I, it, it, what do you guys like to grow? What do people like to buy wholesale? And what are the the, the retail people like?
1: I mean like I was saying before I think uh the retail part side of this is all about variety. Um mm-hmm. if we have 10 strains on our menu our sales go up. If we have two they go down. Um mm. so keeping keeping the menu fresh um is, is a big thing. Um
0: you know we we
1: have relationships with other um dispensaries, other people that cultivate and you know it's we have some good working relationships with some, with some of these other people and um, they've helped us out with wholesale. So, you know, we, we help them out in the future when we're, when we're really cranking here. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, having some of their strains in house here um, at our dispensaries is a huge plus for, for marketing and, and again, keeping the menu fresh with what they're growing. They can, you know, keep their menu fresh with what's coming out of solar therapeutics. Sure. In so, terms of growing, in terms of growing it, I, I mean, as long as it's not finicky and uh, and uh, is resistant to mold and, and throws down, uh, I'll grow it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't matter to me as long as it finishes uh, in under ten weeks. Oh,
0: all right, all right. So uh, the the wholesale market, it's still the variety still you know pushes that. You can still, uh, uh. You can sell, sell variety. It's not like, you know, it's either gas or fruit on the West coast, but, uh, it's, it's
1: the same here. It's the same same there. there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some strains that, that, uh, I've chose to grow here, which, you know, we'll do, we'll do more like a majority of that with the intention of wholesaling, um, larger amounts, but also keeping some in-house, but wholesaling, you know, some big chunks. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Right, so you don't have a favorite? Come on, you got a favorite.
1: Um, I mean, I, I'm digging the asphalt plant that we just cut down. Um, we're also doing this uh, a cross that I brought out, um, which is Critical Mass and Pink Champagne. A little bit lower on the THC, but um, definitely got some big. CBD in it. Some some high CBD in it, um, which is is cool for. Uh, yeah. It's pretty mellow, but it's nice.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We love smoking CBD, but only when we blend it with the THC.
1: It's that worker weed, right?
0: <laughs> Man, I smoke a lot of weed. Sometimes maybe I don't need to be that high. So like you blend a little CBD in it and it makes, you know, <laughs> I still get the flavor, right? But, uh, sure. you know, still get to smoke a large joint and, um, and the CBD is is medicinal, so you get the great medicinal cannabinoid, you know, without just you know getting obliterated stoned.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah, I actually am uh, partnered in a um, CBD processing company out of Sacramento um, it's called the Blue Bus Collective. We're doing uh, all different CBD products, um, as well as processing for some of the farmers out there.
0: <clears throat> yeah uh man you know cbd's got a great great place in uh the the cannabis market in in some ways um <clears throat> it's really helped out thc sure. pardon me uh that bong hit was way too big uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um uh, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely, I, I believe in the blending of the cannabinoids. I believe in the full spectrum uh, application of it. I believe in all the terpenes, the separation, the isolation of, of individual molecules is too Western for me, man, you know, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> right. But it, man, I mean, I, I support it wholeheartedly and, and, you know, we're involved with hemp seeds and hemp seeds consulting and you know i I've got hemp clothes and 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 hemp stuff all throughout our lives, and you know we we absolutely love it uh but yeah man, I'm definitely a ganja guy for sure,
1: yeah well, will uh I'll get your information we'll send you out some samples uh after we're done here,
0: oh yeah, awesome man, yeah, I'd love it man uh we take uh and, and any anyone listening out there we take uh samples of all products uh the real dirt uh that can be sent to 666 uh Bucktail Boulevard Denver Colorado 80210. Uh we got a great rolling tray recently. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. we'll send you
1: some swag. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My got Travis loves uh to see everything there, right Travis? He's nodding right now. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. So uh Man, what do you what do you what do you see for the future here in uh, Massachusetts and in the country? Um, uh, d- do you see an increase in cannabis use because of uh, you know current stay at home guidelines? Um, and and how do you think uh, federal legalization might affect affect you?
1: Uh, I mean, I definitely see an increase in use, um, and I feel like uh, as as legalization moves forward state by state, like the, the taboo of cannabis kind of, is kind of being worn off. Um, and it's also more accessible. Like there, we have a lot of customers here that are a little bit older. Um, and for them, like being able to walk into a recreational dispensary and, and buy a product without having to worry about, um, maybe where it came from or getting in trouble, um, I think it's, it's really opened cannabis up to a lot of people that may have mm-hmm. been uh, on the fence about using it before. Yeah, you're right, man. Um, fe- as far as federal legalization goes, I'm not. I, I don't really know where that's going. Um, it seems like it will happen soon, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, who knows. Um, who knows? That's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Well, uh
0: it's man, it's, it's coming all around you on the East Coast now. I mean, you got Virginia, West Virginia, uh Alabama, Georgia, uh, I mean so many so many states on the East Coast are are now like
1: talking about legal cannabis. Um
0: you know, sure. it's exciting yeah, to I see. Mean,
1: some a bunch of our neighbors are probably hopping on board here in the next couple of years, so um, but we'll see. We'll see about that.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys are pioneers, man. I I tell you, I'll give you a salute for uh, being one of the first there and uh, being uh, on the forefront of uh, sustainable production and self-generation of energy. Uh, You, man, it's it's just one of the brightest things you can do. And, and, uh, yeah, man, really thank you guys for putting all that together. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm sure you're an unsung hero on that, but it's... uh, (laughs) You know, uh, it, it's something you got to want to do. You know, nobody's forcing for sure. you guys to do it.
1: It's a labor of love.
0: <laughs> labor of love. Oh well, hey, I love cannabis, and I hope everyone who listens to the show loved this show. Brendan, thanks for joining me. You got you got any a uh, uh, a way that our uh, listeners can follow you guys or catch up with you if you're if there ever in Massachusetts.
1: Uh, yeah yeah uh, at SolarThera on social media um, say that again it's just at Solar Thera on social media mm-hmm. um, Instagram all that type of stuff uh, um, and that's pretty much it
0: oh well there it is man awesome check him out advan- uh, say it again Solar Thera
1: at Solar Thera <laughs> at, at Solar Thera
0: at Solathera Thera. or Solathera.com there we go yeah so uh, check out Brendan and everything cool they're doing up there in Massachusetts if you're ever around Somerset stop by their uh, dispensary and uh, hey man buy a joint and give it away to somebody when you show up hell yeah thanks a lot for joining us The Real Dirt thanks Brendan hey I appreciate it have a good day man thank you <laughs> Have you thought about a weed story, Brendan?
1: I've been thinking about it a little bit. Um, No holds barred?
0: (laughs) I mean, you know... (laughs) Hey, let me ask you this question first. This will determine. Hey, do I have your permission to reproduce this in any way I see fit?
1: (laughs) That might change (laughs) the story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I was just thinking about, like... The times when I first started doing this and it was, it really was the wild west, you know, like, yeah, like hiding from helicopters and, you know, this is when camp was still around out there and like
0: campaign against marijuana, getting planning. busted
1: and going to jail. I mean,
0: yeah, running from the man, I got,
1: I got a bulletproof vest here <laughs> <laughs> from um, the old days. You know, yeah, it's from living near the, it's from living near the pines. Yeah. But, um, straight, straight yeah, bullets. I mean, just, uh, you know, it was, it was a wild time out there and I, you know, you meet some amazing people and like, it was great for, to have the, you know, the more conscious grower community out there come together and, you know, meet some amazing people out there. And, but I, I just times of like driving truck beds full of flour down the highway and
0: in the fires, in
1: the hoping fires. you didn't get caught, but yeah, the wildfires too. Oh, yeah. Last year, Trinity was just like. Um, I, I stayed during the evacuation and, uh, I couldn't leave my house for 21 days oh, and wow. uh, I, the fire got right up, right up to the next property over. And, um, it, that was the car fire. It ended up burning mm-hmm. like 365,000 acres. And, wow. uh, it's just, you know, you, you don't really sleep much and then you get, you get out the other side and you, everybody's okay. And that's, that's what it's all about. But yeah totally all
0: right so so here's a give, give me like the one of the craziest grower stories you remember or like to tell from from trinity i know you got one i'll give you one of mine
1: too um <laughs> jesus let me think about that you go first buddy all right so right when i first
0: <laughs> when, when, you know when we first got there in 1997 we were trimming for some other people and we, we went to trim with these people, and they had these other women there, and they were telling us about Humboldt. And they were like, oh, yeah, man, you got to be careful who you go to work for because there's some crazy people up here. And she told this story about how her and another girlfriend went to work on a, a guy's trim farm. They went through, like, seven gates, and each gate would take the guy, like, an hour, you know, to get out and out, you know, each gate. And so uh, they get down to the bottom, and, you know, he's, like, it's kind of starting to get weird, and you know he keeps mentioning the gates and how they'll never get out and uh, turns out all the gates were unlocked when they went to leave <laughs> and the guy had just been like fake locking them and telling them all these crazy stories uh so uh, yeah there's some crazy people out there
1: oh yeah that's for a pretty sure.
0: g rated one but you know there's <laughs> yeah, an example yeah.
1: I mean especially up there it's you you meet all types. I mean I, I had uh not to mention any names have a, a, a landowner that I ended up rebuilding his farm that was being saved and uh didn't didn't really know too much about him um when I took the took the position and uh turns out he was batshit crazy. Yeah. Um we, <laughs> That's you know, common up there too. Oh, yeah. The the batshit craziness is fucking rampant in Trinity. Um, Mm -hmm. But he used to show up in the middle of the night with an AR and, like, headlamp on, and he would just be uh, pretty hell-bent on taking half of the product with a U-Haul in the middle of the night, and this was, like, a pretty common occurrence. So, you know, by the end of it, I, I, I learned just to kind of be sarcastic, which he didn't really take too well, but... Um, I mean, just, you know, stuff like that. And we, I mean, we had neighbors that were like, definitely on the meth.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> definitely
1: on the meth, taking apart carburetor, taking apart engines that, uh, all night, all hours of the night and yep. like huge tent city camps up there. And it's, I mean, it, it's the wild west for sure. So Tr- parts of Trinity are still.
0: There's no law enforcement. I mean, in Humboldt, they would say stuff like, and in Trinity, too, oh, after 6 p.m., you got to take care of your own problems. You know, that's
1: pretty much what it is. And I mean, there's certain parts, especially out, you know, near the reservations that they don't even go. Oh, yeah. Oh, man.
0: I mean, in in Humboldt, like, they don't go to the reservations, they don't go to the areas with, you know, the uh, organized Eastern European crime gangs. They don't go to the areas with the organized Mexican crime games like, you know, they they just, you know, the previously in the past, law enforcement would would concentrate on the easy pickings, usually like hippies with long hair, you know, smoking out, trying to be Rasta.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem is now is their law enforcement's under. They're not really funded for cannabis anymore. Oh, right. and oh yeah. They're out. They're outgunned and outmanned up there you know they don't know if they're walking into like you know 50 people with automatic weapons or fucking rpgs or whatever there's there's some wild motherfuckers up there
0: well hey i'll tell you also that the police are pissed there because they can't rob us like they used to and they would go in (laughs) and yeah they would go in you know how it works they go in they they would literally rob you of all your pocket knives and tools and all that stuff you know and you might never get charged
1: you know yeah, they take chainsaws they take your dirt all bikes all
0: your and, shit dude and they are pissed yeah. that they can't go christmas shopping anymore every day you know cuz that's how it was like i got a new set of snap-ons i'll trade you for you know that motorcycle now, or whatever
1: that's a nice that's, that's a nice new dirt bike it must be stolen we need to we need to yeah. fucking take it into evidence yeah
0: and most of that stuff never showed up in evidence it just stayed in their pockets no way. that's for sure Oh, yeah, man. I tell you, uh, I, I was I was on the 36 at the gas station and I'm listening to this guy talk about spending, putting cash in his lawn. And the guy behind the gas station is like, Oh, yeah, man, you got the nice lawn. He's like, Oh, yeah, all the cash I get, that's all. I'm not going to report it. And I'm like, thinking this guy's like, Weed grower. He walks out and the guy's like, Yeah, that's the fucking local deputy sheriff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right it's, the guy's like bragging about
0: the money he's stealing from people and how he's putting it into his lawn
1: oh yeah yeah i mean i i, I have friends that uh you know got raided and in the you know the question that they're asked most is like wait where where's the cash, where's, the like, cash? Where's, it
0: where's cash where's the money
1: Tell me you don't have anything buried
0: money where's the money Yep, totally.
1: Yeah, they don't care about anything else. They're trying to fucking buy their kids nice Christmas presents with other people's money. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. 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 Well, man, fortunately with legal cannabis, a lot of that stuff is going to disappear. And the crooked cops it that is. come up there just to shake down people and like, you know, the crooked mentality that's, you know, at the, at the, the drug enforcement, you know, groups and you know uh, in individual sheriffs offices and police departments it's going to fade right
1: i mean it's a legitimate industry now with uh yeah you know yeah. legit money and it's a taxable a taxable crop at this point yeah. so it's
0: right um well, you know, California, Northern California is the only place in the country where legal cannabis hasn't really, really benefited people yet. It's benefited individuals, but every place else it wasn't it wasn't really a cash crop already. And in Northern California, there was already the history, it was already a cash crop. And it's actually like pissed a lot of people off because they used to grow weed eat you know, quasi legally in their backyard and rake in like fifty $50,000, 100000 a year on the side by not doing much and now that's all right. gone and so they're pissed and the cops are pissed because they can't like rob you for your pocket change you know and then like the prohibitionists they're pissed because they lost you know and then there's the not in my backyarders who are all good for freedom and everything as long as they don't have to look at it or
1: spell it you know <laughs> exactly out of sight, out of mind
0: <laughs> out of sight, out of mind alright so you got a grow tip for me I need, I need a grow tip
1: I got you. Uh, the best nutrient for a plant is the gardener's shadow.
0: Okay. T- I'm not familiar. Tell me about the gardener's shadow and how it's the best nutrient for the plant.
1: Uh, it just means the more time you spend in your in your garden, the better your plants are going to end up.
0: That's right. You actually have to, like, hang out with them and touch them. And,
1: Hell right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Oh, that's great, man. You know, uh, we've been building a ton of stuff here in Oklahoma and uh, the COVID hit and we really hadn't had employees. So we've just been building stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, I like to build everything from scratch. We've, for the past several months, we've, we've, we've built uh, 40,000 square feet worth of hoop house, you know, all the irrigation, you know, we've got a couple acres that's actually in the ground and fences. And today, I actually got to grow weed
1: nice, man. Right. Well, that's, yeah, the congratulations totally. totally. There, man. Yeah. No
0: Plants are in the ground like that, you know, stuff's happening, but like today I actually trellis some weed and it wasn't oh, yeah. just like mechanics. It wasn't drip irrigation or posts sure. or tarps or shade or irrigation or pump or tractor or whatever it was. And
1: right, right. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, this, uh, this past week we've been, uh, we've been commissioning our argus fertigation system so oh nice nice yeah it's a, it's a big one um so we've uh, been finishing the build out on the fertigation room um and really diving deep into argus which is a a, a badass company i can't say enough good things yeah. about argus and argus controls and and their fertigation yeah. equipment is is definitely uh upper echelon totally
0: Argus, Priva, and Netafin, those are they are—they're all—they're—they're uh, all, they're all the leaders right
1: now in cannabis. Yeah, right. yeah, we uh, we we vetted out all three, but settled on Argus. Um, yeah, that Priva stuff's too expensive for me, man.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I, I guess I don't really. We were gonna work with them, but uh, they—you uh, know—Argus seems Argus is a little more user friendly. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, every it's way more. I mean you're gonna have problems with any of it, but uh the Ar- the Argus and the NetFM are absolutely
1: the most user friendlies. Right, right, right. And uh, I mean the the support staff at Argus is is fucking unreal. Do you use, uh, you use like them better?
0: That's what it boils I mean, down for me to do business with people often is like, oh, I like those guys better. I mean you,
1: you, you wanna do business with good people that yeah. uh Yeah, no it's important. That live yeah. up to what they're they're pitching, so yeah. It's important. Well,
0: Hey Brendan, th- thanks for the, thanks for the gardener shadow. I think that was a great one. Um, uh, I, I, I uh, I, I like the, the slightly different one. Thank you. Um, sure, brother. and, uh, Hey man, I'd love to do a part two with your, uh, development guy on all the other sustainable stuff you guys are doing. And if COVID is, uh, if COVID ever uh, uh, lets us get a rest, you know, I'm I'm gonna get on the road again. I'd love to come and see you guys.
1: Hell yeah, man! We'd love to have you.